All right. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We're going to read half the chapter this morning. Starting a new series called This Is That. This Is That. Acts chapter 2. And for the sake of time, I'm just going to read it this morning. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 17. It says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, somebody say suddenly, suddenly. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. So they were having this quiet prayer meeting, and all of a sudden God steps in and interrupts everything. There comes the sound of a rushing mighty wind filling the house where they were, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? How and how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt. I'll get through it. And in the parts of Libya around Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. We do hear them speak in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying to one another, what meaneth this? Y'all ever been in church and wondered what meaneth this? They were thinking the same thing. And others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. Now, why is that mocking them? Because you can't get drunk off of new wine. New wine is fresh from the grapes. It's grape juice, right? They were taunting them, saying, y'all drunk on grape juice. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing as it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that. Somebody say, this is that. Peter said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall Come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Somebody say all flesh. And look at this. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. You say women can't speak in church. God said I'm going to use them to prophesy. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream Dreams. I don't know about y'all, but I just want to keep on seeing visions for a long time. <laughs> the young men are going to see visions. The old men will dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit. And they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. How many blood moons have we had in the last five years? Before the great and notable day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We're starting a series called This Is That. 
We're going to talk about what that is. We're going to talk about what happened on the day of Pentecost and in the months and years following that in the early church. And we're going to get down into what Pentecost is all about. We're going to look at what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit and the baptism and the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and the gifts of the Spirit. And if you have questions, put it on this thing right here. You can put your name on it. You can be anonymous. I'll treat it all anonymously. But you, if you have questions about any of those things, I want to address as many of those as I can in this teaching series because there's a whole lot of, what do they call it nowadays, misinformation going around. We used to call it lies, but you, you call it, you got to call it misinformation today. That's a, a politically correct term. You're just lying. All right. But we want to have a clear understanding of what the Bible says. So if you will, if you have a question, a problem, a concern, maybe a negative experience, maybe an amazing experience, put that on there. I want to hear from you. All right. So let's get into the word. Lord, we thank you for today. God, we thank you that you are the Lord and you change not. We thank you that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, I thank you that you are still a miracle-working God. And Lord, do a work in our lives today, God, as we open up our hearts and ears to what you would speak to us through your word. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you would agree that Jesus is the central figure of Christianity? Okay, Jesus is the main man. He is literally the Christ of Christianity, right? Jesus is the one, okay? But... Jesus told his disciples in John 16, 7, it's better for you if I go away so the Holy Spirit can come. Think about that. John 16, 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. That should tell you how absolutely essential the Holy Spirit is in the life of the believer. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God. There's only one God, yet he has revealed himself to us as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's the mystery of the Trinity. And I don't know about you, but I cannot comprehend it, but I don't have to understand it to believe it. Aren't you glad we don't have to figure everything out to follow Jesus? If I had to figure out how my automobile works, I'd be sitting in the driveway right now. I don't have to understand how a combustion engine works to put the key in and drive. <laughs> Aren't you glad for that? Amen. There's only one God, yet we see him revealed as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And as you search the scriptures, you'll find that the Holy Spirit has all of these incredible attributes. He's omniscient. All-knowing, 1 Corinthians 2.11, For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is all-powerful. Zechariah 4.6, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. John 5.7 tells us there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. 
I don't have to under, understand the Trinity, but I see evidence of it all around. Just think about our own composition as human beings. We are body, mind, and we are spiritual, right? We see that in our own design. The Holy Spirit speaks, doesn't he? Acts 13, 2 says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And you know, the ministry of the Holy Spirit radically changed the disciples. Now I want you all to think with me for a minute. Okay, just imagine what it would have been like to travel with Jesus. Anybody ever thought about that? What it would be like to walk with Jesus Come on, to see Jesus walking on water, to see Jesus pray over a little boy's happy meal and feed 5,000 people. Come on. It's one thing to read about it, but the disciples were there. They were eyewitnesses to all these things. Now, I spent about 10 years in education at UNC Chapel Hill, then Bible college, then doctoral work. But I would trade all of that for some time walking with Jesus. Education is great, but there's nothing like an encounter with God. I'd be gladly be uneducated <laughs> for a greater anointing in my life. Amen. How many of you in the, I'm going to do a survey. How many of y'all are graduates of, of the University of Mount Olive? We got any Trojans in the house today? Okay, we got a few. Well, think about this, okay? The, the disciples studied on the Mount of Olives. <laughs> they were there in person. They saw it with their own eyes. But I, I want you to, to notice something, and you'll see this when you look at the Bible. In the New Testament, after three years of following Jesus, the disciples hadn't changed very much. Jesus taught the first will be last and the last will be first. Yet days before the crucifixion, the disciples were fighting over who was going to be greatest in the kingdom of God. Jesus taught them over and over again, love your enemies. We heard it last week. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who use you. And even after all of those teachings, as Jesus begins his final journey into Jerusalem, the disciples wanted to call fire down from heaven to destroy the Samaritans because they wouldn't let them pass through their village. Come on, boys. You're not getting it. Even Jesus in her circle fell asleep when Jesus was praying in Gethsemane. Peter looked at Jesus and said to Jesus, Jesus, if everybody turns their back on you, if everybody denies you, I will never deny you. How'd that work out for you, Peter? So the disciples experienced the ministry of Jesus and the miracles of Jesus, but they had not experienced spiritual transformation. Something happened, though, on the day of Pentecost, the disciples who had been timid and rough around the edges were radically changed when the power of the Holy Spirit came upon them. And you had Peter who was scared of a little teenage girl when she asked him if, if he had been with Jesus. That same Peter is preaching to 3,000 people publicly in the city of Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. When Jesus was crucified, their world was turned upside down. But after Pentecost, they turned the world upside down. And the ministry of the Holy Spirit makes all the difference. And whether you know it or not, the Holy Spirit is working in your life, whether you believe it or not. I'm going to show you this morning, okay? There are three relationships between the Holy Spirit and humanity. Number one, the Holy Spirit is with us. The Holy Spirit is with us. This is true of all people, of all humanity, believers and unbelievers, or as I like to call them, pre-believers. 
The Holy Spirit is with every person on this planet. This is what Jesus said. He said in John 16, he said, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Now notice that he'll convict the world. The world is the world, right? That means everybody, everybody. Okay. The Holy Spirit is with all of us, convicting us of our sins. Acts 17, 27, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. David said in Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. There is nowhere you can go where the Holy Spirit is not also there. Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin. That's why we don't have to be afraid to tell people about Jesus because the Holy Spirit has already been there working on them. It's up to them whether they say yes or no. Amen. But that's what the Holy Spirit does. Acts 2.36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? While Peter preached, they were pricked in their hearts. Who was pricking their hearts? You got it. Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He convicts us of our sin. Lifetime of the opportunity. Holy Spirit of God will strive with you in this life, but he won't strive with you forever. Yield to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and let God save and restore your life. Number one, the Holy Spirit is with us. Number two, the Holy Spirit is within us. This is the relationship between the Holy Spirit and those who believe. 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Where does the Spirit of God dwell? Y'all remember we talked about that a few weeks ago. This building is in the church. We're the church. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Before Jesus was crucified, he told the disciples, the Holy Spirit is with you and he will be in you. This is what it means to be born of the Spirit. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 says that we are saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. What does it mean to sanctify? It means to set it apart, to mark it as yours. I talk about sanctifying a biscuit. My brother sit beside me. He reached for a biscuit. I licked my finger, stick it in the middle of the biggest one. You know what I did? I sanctified that biscuit. I marked it. It's mine. It belongs to me, and you can't have it. <laughs> well, that's what God does to us when we are born again by the power of his Holy Spirit. He sanctifies us and sets us apart. Now, I know there's a lot of different teachings in the body of Christ on sanctification. Some say that it's instant. Some say that it's progressive. Well, which one is it? Yes, it is. It's instant and it's progressive. Ephesians 1.14, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. That means that God has marked you as his at the moment of salvation, at the moment of new birth. You no longer belong to the world or the devil. You belong to God. He has sanctified you. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? 
Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But what happened? But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. When you believe in Jesus, he sanctifies you and sets you apart from the world. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When you believe, you were sanctified. But it doesn't stop there. Sanctification is also a lifelong process. It is a continual daily work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of God are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the spirit of the Lord. As believers, we are being transformed into the image of God. I think about when Amber and I, <laughs> I'm sorry, we didn't move from Wilmington. We got delivered out of Wilmington. <laughs> we spent two years remodeling our house. Anybody seen the movie The Money Pit? Yeah, that's a cakewalk compared to what we were living in. We bought the biggest and the baddest house in our neighborhood. And let me tell you, it was terrible. <laughs> it was awful. Our first night in the house, it literally rained inside of it. Okay. It was rough. When we first saw the house, we knew it was in bad shape. It was ugly on the outside, and it was uglier on the inside. But we bought it just as it was. We paid the price. Our name was on the deed. It belonged to us in the beginning, even though it was our house. It wasn't the house we wanted it to be. Are y'all following with me so far? Okay. What do we do? Every day, we worked on it. Every day we made it more into the house we wanted it to be. It was a process. It was a lot of work, but it was worth it. Now, did we wait until the house was finished before we bought it? No, because it doesn't work that way. Listen, you child of God, you are bought with a price. God takes you in your state of foreclosure. You are messed up. You are toe up. You are in terrible condition. Your life is falling apart. God takes you and he purchases you just the way you are. He puts his name on the title and says, you belong to me. And then he puts you on this lifelong process of being made more and more and more and more like the one that he created you to be you are sanctified and you're being sanctified by the Holy Spirit hallelujah aren't you glad God takes us just the way we are and he doesn't let us stay the way we are Jesus said the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out thank you Lord for the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives hallelujah 1 Corinthians 12 13 for by one spirit we are all baptized into one body whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and we have all been made to drink into one spirit. When you drink something, where is it? 
Okay, unless you're in B2 in the kid's wing, it's inside of you, right? It's not all over the outside. It's inside of you, right? Okay, we've been made to drink into one spirit. When you're born again, you have the spirit inside of you because you can't be born again apart from the Holy Spirit, right? Uh Uh-huh. Let me ask you this. We talked about it a little bit earlier, but have you ever thought if I could sit down face-to-face with Jesus, I would ask him some things? (laughs) I like to tell my friends it's so high, it wasn't on the charts. I couldn't measure it. It said error. My IQ is IDK. But do you realize that God has no IQ? We can't measure his eye because there is no Q. There is no quotient to measure his knowledge. There is no limit to what God knows. He is all-knowing. He is omniscient. He knows it all. God has never had an aha moment. God has never thought a thought that he hadn't thought before. Think about that for a little while. And that is the very same God whose Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of us. Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. If you're not walking into all truth, maybe you're not following the one who's trying to guide you. He will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. And that is why Jesus said, it's better that I go away. If Jesus still walked on the earth today, you'd have to take a flight to Tel Aviv and take a taxi out to Galilee, and you'd have to take a number and get in line behind 2.2 billion other Christians to ask Jesus one question. If you want to talk to God, guess what? You don't have to catch a flight or wait in line or speak another language. You've got the one with all the answers dwelling inside of you. If we would just learn to be aware and sensitive to the Holy Spirit in our lives. Of all the New Testament authors, I would say the greatest would have to be the Apostle Paul because Paul wrote about half the verses in the New Testament, which is about half the verses more than you wrote. Most of our doctrine comes from the writings of Paul, but here's something amazing about the Apostle Paul is that he never walked with Jesus. All the other authors, okay... They walked with him. They talked with him. He trained them. He he spoke to them personally. But the apostle Paul never lived and walked and followed Jesus on the earth. Yet the apostle Paul understood more about Jesus than just about anybody else. In fact, Paul understood so much about Jesus that even the apostle Peter said, there's some stuff that Paul teaches even I don't understand. Peter walked with Jesus. Peter knew him personally. Peter lived with Jesus. Peter talked to him. Yet Paul understood things about Jesus that Peter did not. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit in his life. That's when I I sit down to read the Bible. I take off my denominational glasses. Hello? Stuff I've been taught by man. Stuff I've been taught by people. The doctrines of man. And I say, Holy Spirit, teach me. You're the one who will guide me into all truth. Lord, open up my heart to see what you would speak to me through the word of God. Y'all with me so far? Amen. It won't be long. 
But the Holy Spirit will teach you the scriptures and the Holy Spirit will tell you who you are. There is an assault on the identity of this generation. The LGBTQ agenda is destroying lives. A suicide rate of 41%. And y'all think you're helping these kids? I've got my own LGBTQ agenda. Let God be true. Well, you say, what's the Q stand for? Quesadillas, because I'm hungry. (laughs) I'm part of the LGBT campaign, though. Let God be true, because God created you, and he's the only one who has a right to tell you who you are. The Bible says that the Spirit himself bears witness within our spirits that we are children of God. You want to know who you are? Let the Holy Spirit tell you who you are. Romans 8.15, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. Well, I was born this way. Well, guess what? You can be born again. Well, I came from a messed up family. Guess what? You can be adopted into the family of God who is a good, good father who loves you like nobody else ever could and will take care of you in ways that no one ever was able to. We receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit will tell you what God's word means and the Holy Spirit will tell you who you are. No longer a slave to sin. I'm a child of God. The three relationships between the Holy Spirit and humanity. Number one, the Holy Spirit is with us, everybody. Number two, the Holy Spirit is within us, those who believe. And number three, the Holy Spirit is upon us. Now, this isn't the same thing as the Holy Spirit being within us, okay? Acts 1.8, Jesus said to the disciples, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So when you receive salvation, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you and you're born again. But when you're baptized in the Spirit, Jesus said it's going to come upon you. It's the indwelling of the Spirit versus the baptism of the Spirit. We read 1 Corinthians 12 where we would make to drink of one Spirit. Okay, If you drink something, where is it? inside of you but when you're baptized in something okay unless we really messed up that baptism that water's not going to be inside of you you're going to be inside of the water you with me all right so when you you drink of one spirit at new birth the holy spirit's inside of you but when you're baptized in this spirit you are immersed in the power of the holy spirit Let's look at John chapter 20. I'm almost done. John chapter 20. I'm on my last page. Amen. It's a long page, but it's my last page. John 20, 19. Then the same day at evening being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, he came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. Right? Jesus just shows up. He don't need no door. He shows up in the room. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. What happened when they saw the risen Jesus? Romans 10, 9 happened. 
The same way it happened for you, Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So the disciples, they saw the risen Jesus and believed. But Jesus said, you're missing something. Acts chapter 1, 40 days after they saw Jesus, look at what he tells them. Being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. The Holy Spirit had been with them. The Holy Spirit was in them, but now the Holy Spirit was about to come upon them. And that's where we're going to pick up next week. Will you stand as we pray and just seek God in our lives for just a moment before we leave here this morning? Lord, we just thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit. God, I just thank you for sending him, Lord, to be our comforter. Lord, to speak on our behalf, Lord. And I just thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for this message. God, I just pray over this series right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for opening up hearts. God, I thank you, Lord, for there being a draw to this series, Father, that we'll have a better understanding of what the Holy Spirit is, Lord, and what it is to be baptized in speaking in tongues, Father. God, that we'll understand that and that the stigma of the world will be removed from people's minds. Lord, I thank you, Father, for sending your Holy Spirit and that he is the comforter. And Lord, I thank you right now if anyone is drawing, and this is drawing them in, Father, that the Holy Spirit is drawing them, Father, Lord, that that desire is there to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, Father. Lord, that you can do it right now in an instant. That it doesn't take an altar call, Father, it just takes seeking your face. And Lord, I thank you, Father, for a fresh fire during this series to fall upon us. Lord, where some of us may have grown weary and haven't been entering into our language, Father, that this morning, God, that you refresh us. God, that you give us a new refeeling, Father. God, take us deeper into that language, Father. Lord, I thank you, Father, for just pouring out your spirit upon us, Lord, as we seek your face. Lord, I thank you for tongues of fire to hit this church. God, I thank you, Father God, Lord, for just doing something we've never seen before. Stuff that people have seen in the past, God, but Lord, that you're doing something that we've never seen before in this church. God, that you're doing miracles, Father, that cancer cells are falling off, God. That people with eyes, vision issues, that their eyes are being opened, Father. God, that people who have been addicted, that right now in this instant, that that addiction and that desire is being removed from their tongue, Father. God, I thank you, Father God, for healing. Lord, I thank you for a deeper relationship in you, Father. God, let us not leave here the same. But Lord, let us draw close to you, Father. And I bind the work of the enemy of doubt, of disbelief of things that people have been told in the past right now. And I command it to go in the name of Jesus, of religious spirits, of skepticism, Lord. And I just thank you for clarity. I thank you for open minds, Father. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for just pouring out your Holy Spirit, Father. I thank you for fire just raining down right now as we lift our hands and worship you. 
God, I just thank you for that fire to fall. Lord, we need you. God, we want more of you. And Lord, we just thank you, Father, for your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, this morning, if you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life, right now is, is, is your moment. You know, we talk about the Holy Spirit, and we're talking about salvation. And that is where God so loved the world that he sent his only son. He sent his son to die for you. That's how much he loves you. He loves you as you are. There's nothing that you have done that keeps him from loving you. And right now, if you don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt that when you walked out of here, that you're going to be in heaven, I want you to pray this prayer after me. Or maybe you've fallen away and you say, I need to recommit my life to you. This is your opportunity. And I'm going to ask that everybody repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe in you. Save me. Set me free. Forgive me of my sins. Be the Lord of my life. And with your help, I'm going to live for you forever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's just thank God for salvation. Let's just thank Him for all the things He's done in your life, for what He's kept you from, for His protection, for His healing. As we close, I'm going to ask for our altar workers and our prayer team to come to the front. If you need prayer for healing, if you just want agreement in prayer, if you want someone to pray for you for a fresh refilling of the Holy Spirit, Come down front. We're going to agree in prayer with you. Church, we love you. If you want to stay and linger, you're welcome to stay and linger. We've got women's and men's Bible study on Wednesday night. Don't miss that. Have a phenomenal week, and we will see you Wednesday night.